Hello and welcome back to Beyond Meaning. Last week, we talked about the conceptual model of existence and the role it plays in influencing our inner and outer worldviews. We also talked about how our awareness creates our motivations and the way in which our subconscious uses flow to realize our desires. I want to start this week's episode off with a brief review of the limbic system. Our emotions are byproducts of the outer world environment interacting with and imprinting upon our subconscious mind. When our subconscious mind becomes impressed by these subtle energies, the result is a split-second reaction that doubles as a fight-or-flight response. The stimulus that sets these cogs in motion are referred to as loops. There are two kinds of loops when referring to the limbic system, resonant or dissonant, but for the sake of the explanation, I'll probably refer to them as positive, negative, dissonant, resonant, or just open and closed loops. Now that the stage is set, I do want to go ahead and say that this episode will be quite esoteric and some of the concepts may seem far out to those individuals who are new to singular thought as opposed to dualistic thinking. What I mean here is that when we sit with the idea that we are quite literally one with the universe, then we begin to transcend the idea and overall concept of duality. When a positive loop is introduced into a negative loop, there is bound to be some sort of frequency scatter. This is a gradual transition of power from one state to another. There is a correspondence of energy in this aspect of being as we see that the same intention or primary variable translates from each realm of existence to another by creating a set of relative absolutes in the fabric of space, time, and awareness that creates the state of being which the conscious observer realizes in the space of time by aligning itself to the frequency and vibration that it is embodying. By becoming one with the universal force of propulsion and motion that creates a gate in the space of response and awareness. This becomes a gradual realization because of the fact that awareness comes in waves. So what exactly are primary variables? Let's look at it from this perspective. If our soul is the one spark of existence that carries over from lifetime to lifetime, or experience to experience, then the essential variables are the elements of awareness, or patterns, that carry over into each present experience. These variables shape and mold the internal perception of what becomes the relative fact. We can call these variables belief. These beliefs begin to encompass the soul into the environment where the variables are, for lack of a better word, densest. In other words, the soul does not particularly remain stationary, although it always remains present. The subconscious mind works in a similar way. I suppose that it would be practical to talk about the idea of soul at this time. The essence of soul can be seen as the smallest identifiable vessel that is inhabitable for consciousness. If that's too fragmented, which it might be, then try looking at it this way. Internalized data becomes arranged into the mental structures that make up the exterior world. Kind of like a camera, but more advanced. 
These mental structures are stand-ins for meaning. In other words, symbols and simulations. To quote Douglas Hofstadter, you make decisions, take actions, affect the world, receive feedback from the world, incorporate it into yourself, then the updated you makes more decisions, and so forth, round and round. So, taking it back to the concepts we've been discussing since episode one, the idea of a self-recursive function, self-referent, isomorphisms, this is essentially the same paradoxical vortex of energy. You have the push and pull, the compounding variables that mold the existence of the world around you. This specific self-recursive function is what creates your perception of I, the self, or soul. These symbols that are free from neology and biological structure are the abstract symbols that are unquantifiable, such as the emotions of love and hope. And it's through meditation, through cultivating a refined awareness that you realize what focus becomes, where focus comes from. You understand that there is an intuitive function to the universe uh, and that leads you to a more tapped in, less resistant state of existence that you can define as flow. It's, it's flow stems from acceptance. And when you realize that you are accepting the things around you for what they really are without judgment, without expectation, then you reach a sense of limitless potential that you can use to better understand your own neuroticism. And the more that you understand your own neuroticism, the more you can see what motivates you, why that neuroticism is there. And as you continue to dive deeper into this concept, this symbolism, this abstraction of the mind, then you start to begin to tap into the more emotional avenues, the more heart-centered avenues of existence. So now to bring this all full circle, the more in tune with our limbic loops we are, the more we can understand what it is that our soul is trying to communicate to us. The more we can harness and understand our intuition, and the more we can effectively manifest the purpose which we came here to manifest. The more we aim to maintain and establish a positive resonant loop within ourselves, then the more we are likely to be in harmony with the vibrations that contribute to our definite chief aim, independent of external environment, circumstances, or decisions. Because you realize in this environment where you put yourself that you're here for a reason, that you're here because you chose to be here. And that takes away external weight on your internal motivations, ambitions, goals. I would say that this is a perennial archetype that has been apparent in many traditions, many philosophies, many societies. And it's essentially like a knowledge that comes as a byproduct of accomplishing a self-realized objective. 
So when you define a definite chief aim and you accomplish that definite chief aim, it leads you to a greater definite chief aim that was born from accomplishing the previous one. Like if you didn't accomplish the previous one, there would be no way that you would have progressed to the following one. So last week's episode, I spoke about how vectors are projections of the factors which we internalize and project outward into the world around us, such as what you're good at, what you like to do, and the other factor of what the world needs. This begins to electromagnetically impact the circumstances that you experience. And if you continue to just achieve your definite achieve aims, then it's a scalar increase. So what this does is just show you that it is consistent with everything else in life. This is kind of the basis for energy management because you realize that nothing is just one thing or another thing. It's the merging of numerous things into something. Uh, they called this alchemy. So you realize that everything is alchemical. And when you start to view this world in such a way, it's almost like you work with the world because the world wants what you have and you want what the world has, which is why you're here. You know, it's not like saying, I don't want any desires. It's just that like, you don't go out and look for desires. You just let it come to you and you enjoy your place and time where you find yourself present. And the byproduct of that is living a life with bliss. You know, it's not just easiness. Like for example, this last weekend, uh, March 8th, uh, March 7th, March 7th. Yeah, the weekend of March 7th. Um, I participated in the David Goggins 4x4x48. And that is four miles every four hours for 48 hours. It might sound like a lot to some people, it might not sound like much to others. For me, it was really fun. Uh, it's it's a challenge, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is impossible. You know, it's just something that you can do. And especially if you train for it, like if, if you know your abilities and you can honestly stand outside of yourself and say, all right, this is what I'm really capable of with where I am right now, then you know what to seek out. You know what to look for and you know what to give your energy. And in turn, you start to accomplish more success. You start to create more intention in your life because when you set up your intentions, they become met with the action required to manifest those intentions. So again, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not going to be any struggle, any pain, any uncomfort, discomfort. But it is in choosing to do it intentionally that opens the possibility for more. And there is a way that everyone could find it. Everyone has their way. And for me, it started with meditation. Like I am an avid evangelist for meditation because once you start to meditate and you start to just get out of your mind, everything becomes limitless. Everything becomes infinite potential. You start to see how you don't need to give things emotional responses, how you can internalize your perception of the truth. And if you stand to your truth, 
then it doesn't matter what others have to say, what others feel, think, or act, do, because you are so sturdy within your anchored belief system that you can climb a mountain and know why you did it. It's not to say that it's an easy process, but I'm not saying it's a hard process. It's transcending that duality of one thing or another thing. It's holding awareness and holding the acceptance that it could be whatever it is. Just taking the experience, taking the moment for what it becomes, opens your possibility to the infinite imagination that comes from connecting with infinite intelligence. God, the Holy Spirit, our soul, our ancestors, anything we want to call it. That is the foundation of what consciousness is born out of. That ability to act with a knowing, a awareness, a sort of sentience that is independent of external circumstance, external motivation, external simulation. And you get better at this the more you focus on not allowing your ego to really control the show. It's not about murdering your ego. It's more so about seeing what your ego is trying to do. And then with your better awareness, you flow with that if it's in harmony with you. And eventually your ego is going to work for you. If it's not right now, then just take the space, start meditating, like start just counting your breaths. One, two, three, all the way to 10, then back down, do that three times. And that's all you have to do to start off. You know, like before you know it, you're sitting for 20 minutes, 40 minutes, one, two, three hours. It's not like you have to become a monk. You just need to start to set the time to not do anything in order for all the things that are holding your ideas, they, they will settle. And as they settle, you become more aware, more lucid within your world, within your life. And you see how your responses and reactions are impacting you. A response is a refute to an internal, to an external uh, stimuli. That is a response. A reaction is a blind refute. One, you think about a response, you explode, you spontaneously react. So you need to set an intention, not even set an intention, but you just need to make it conscious that you are not a reactive wave in the, like that you are capable of making decisions that carry weight. You know, you just sit down with yourself and you start talking with yourself and like you start to figure out what it is that you want to accomplish, what it is that you want to see in the world. And once you start to do this, and if you're honest with yourself, the journey towards that destination is going to become less difficult, less strenuous, less demanding in the sense that you're not going to have to put in as much effort into thinking about what you need to be doing as actually just doing what you need to be doing. 
that's what I want to really get across with my 15 minute ramble today. Um, I think that this is a great place to end these ideas. Um, just continue to sit with them, continue to listen to them and, you know, make them your own, you know, like it's like do what you will with these ideas, but give them the chance to imprint your subconscious mind with whatever it is that you are receiving. And whatever you're feeling after hearing these words, you know, sit with that and get to the root of where these things come from. And the more that like you are honest with yourself in how the media that you consume makes you feel, makes you respond, the more you see about yourself, the more you understand about your motivations. I know I say that word a lot, but your motivations. Uh, before I go into the idea of the week and talk about last week's idea, I kind of just want to talk a little bit more about David Goggins 4x4x48. It was an awesome experience for me. Um, I really learned a lot about myself. I, I saw a very vivid vision of the person that I aim to be by working towards becoming that person. And this event really helped me realize that I am in fact acting in accordance with who it is that I want to be, who it is that I am becoming, who it is that I want to see when I wake up every morning. And the biggest takeaway from this event for me was that you have to do things for yourself. You know, like we might know this intuitively, but you can't expect the outer world to fuel the inner desire. It doesn't work like that in the sense that what I need to do isn't going to come from the outside because the outside is not moving this vessel. It's very, it's a very intuitive concept that I just said, but the Goggins 4x4x48 marathon challenge really showed me that my subconscious does not shy away from a good challenge, even if outer world circumstances may be impacting me. I know my limits and this is what it taught me. It taught me that I know how to really listen to my body. I know how to work with my body and make it perform in the way that I need it to perform in order to accomplish the goals that I have set forth for myself. I realized during this challenge how the body does the will of the mind and if we don't train the mind, then the body is just going to be reactive. So it just helped me solidify and concretize a lot of these intuitive truths. It was around mile 28. I think that was the midnight or 3 a.m. run. And I was just like, wow. So I've had like six or seven of these legs already. Like I've been doing this for six or seven times, like every four hours. And it showed me the way in which my subconscious acts, the way in which my subconscious molds itself and responds to the world that I put it in. Instead of shying away, it understood that it was like, okay, well, we're gonna be, we're gonna be experiencing very high levels of discomfort for the next 48 hours 
so let me go ahead and just prepare myself now and like it was around mile 48 28 whatever 48 yeah mile 28 <laughs> that i was like wow this is really interesting because it's like i i uh recently ran a marathon and my uh knee you know i was still recovering my knees from that but instead of just saying no i can't do this because of my knee i just learned how to work with that pain i learned that pain is only a mental construct of where you are and that discomfort doesn't necessarily indicate that you can or that you have to stop david goggins says it best we only use 40 percent of our brain and once we reach that 40 percent mark our mind activates the governor within our subconscious that will attempt to limit and restrict your ability to perform at your 100%. So it's really not until you're at that point, at that point where you want to give up, where you're in pain, where you're double thinking yourself, that your true character starts to show because everything else before that is only the persona. It's only the defense mechanism, but it's not until you beat yourself down and excavate yourself from the shell of your projected personality that you can actually grow and expand and it's not necessarily going and running 100 miles in one day it's knowing how to get yourself to that point that breaking point safely and how you can train in that breaking point without breaking without breaking or overheating because it's like you're not gonna overheat you need to step out of that mentality that the world owes you something and once you start to step out of that mentality that the world owes you something you begin to realize that you only get what you work for you are not gonna run 20 miles by sitting on your fucking ass <laughs> you're gonna go run 20 miles by fucking running five miles every day for six months and then increasing that and increasing that and eventually working your way up the chain of effort will you accomplish the goals that you want to achieve all right well that's my two cents on the four by four by 48 now to close off the show uh as usual we're gonna discuss an idea we're gonna we're gonna go and discuss our prompt from last week and i'm gonna give you another one to sit on this week so last week i asked you to think about what it is that you have been doing all your life that you no longer pursue for me that was validation from the outside world up until very recently i would constantly look to my surroundings my peers my family members for validation for confirmation for validity in my own life and it hasn't been until maybe the last couple of months that i've finally been able to put that in the past i have finally been able to release that subconscious pattern that paradigm of thought that i need to find my value from anyone besides myself and i have been chasing that that feeling my whole life because i thought that that was what it meant to be empathetic i i thought that like as someone who is acutely aware of what everyone is feeling at every moment that i had to be the one to mediate that that i had to be the one to fix that but i fucking realized i don't need to fix anyone I just need to focus on myself. I just need to focus on becoming the best me that I need to be. And that is liberating. 
it really showed me that everything I've thought, everything that I knew to be true, but was too afraid to act on, was only me limiting myself, me standing in my own way. So for the fact that I've been able to finally release that is beautiful to me. It really is. So this week, it's a little bit different. It's something that requires a little bit more deep diving into our own self, into who we want to be, into our future selves, and even into our past selves. So this week's idea is, what is the greatest ideal of myself? One more time. What is the greatest ideal of myself? And, you know, you can sit down and think about this in many ways, you know, it's like, you can put yourself in your shoes in how you are living your best life, what it is that you're doing, and you can have these inner world conversations with yourself to just kind of visualize yourself being at your greatest. So really, yeah, that seems like a wrap for this week. I hope that you thought about some new ideas and that your mind has been, you know, stimulated. I definitely love doing these shows, you know, like I don't necessarily have a structure for the episodes, but once I start and once I start writing and contemplating and setting my intention to create the episode, everything really just falls into place naturally, organically, harmoniously. <laughs> well, yeah, thanks again. I'll see you next week. Signing off.